0: Before we get started with the show today, I wanted to mention that a few weeks ago, we put out the very first issue of the Politics Guys newsletter. And we took some time to get the bugs out, and we'd like to thank our, our beta test subscribers for helping out with that. And now we're ready to make it a regular feature, which we plan to send out every Sunday. And it has our take on recent political events, the best of what we've read lately, updates and announcements about the podcast, and just some random thoughts and observations we throw in here and there. Getting it is really easy. Just go to our website, politicsguys.com, and sign up on the form you'll see there. You can't miss it. And if you're concerned about us giving away your email address, we understand, we promise that we won't give it away, share it, barter it, or otherwise otherwise distribute your email address to anyone else. Okay, on with the show. Well, we start this week with the not-quite-yet-finished presidential election. Green Party candidate Jill Stein's effort to get recounts in three critical states, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, is underway, at least in Wisconsin, and Trump supporters have responded by filing lawsuits to stop the recounts. The Clinton campaign has very reluctantly joined in, but they're taking a decidedly passive role, with top Clinton staffers saying they've had election experts look over the results, and they've concluded there's no chance that the recounts will change the result of the election. And, you know, as as Clinton's lead in the popular vote continued to grow last week, right now she's ahead by more than 2.5 million votes. Donald Trump responded on Twitter, of course, um, tweeting first that he could have won the popular vote if he wanted to, of course. And then tweeting that he actually did win the popular vote because of millions of fraudulent votes cast for Clinton, a charge which he offered no support for, of course, and which has absolutely no empirical backing, again, of course. So what do you make of all this, Jay?
1: Well, uh, you know, we talked about the the recount last week. Um, my my sense is still that that this is just sort of a publicity stunt money raiser for the Green Party. Um, uh, I think, you know, it's, it's I'm not you know, I'm not sure where I am as far as Trump uh, filing suit to stop uh, to some extent. You know, in these kind of situations, a lot of times you have to do that. Uh, just as a, a matter of, of uh, legal procedure because if you don't and something goes wrong, then then uh, you sort of waive your opportunity to complain. Um, so I, I, I get that. I think it, it plays poorly politically, but but I, I think there's probably a sound legal reason to do that. And also some of these suits were not necessarily filed by Trump uh, or, or backed by him. They're filed by Trump supporters who right. as a citizen can just go ahead and, and, and file. Um and I think there's, there was probably a sense of look that's going to happen anyway, so it's it's better to be in the room than outside the room. So, um, that that said, no, I, I don't think there's any reason that that this will uh, change the, the the course of the election. Uh, if anything, it it might uh, solidify the the fact that yeah, Trump Trump did win these these states. There was nothing uh, sneaky. There were no shenanigans. There was no hacking. Uh, although again, I'm, I'm, it's not entirely clear to me and maybe it might be clear to other listeners how, I mean, the recount would would uh, prove or disprove that there was electronic hacking. Um, I, I suppose that's the only kind of hacking there is, but um, you, know, you, know right. you know what I'm saying. But um, <laughs> they have the internet on computers now. Um, so uh, I, I think it's going to be a non-story. Uh, I, this isn't the type of thing like, uh, you know, it was hanging in the balance or something weird like happened in 2000 where you know people are counting chads and and so forth
0: but i mean wouldn't wouldn't you think that trump supporters would almost be happy to see this because here you have liberals who are spending a lot of time and money and energy on a on a fruitless effort where energy and 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 money that they could be spending on things that actually might have some benefit and not only that but the result is almost certain to actually increase The legitimacy of donald trump's win so how is you know how is this not a good thing for 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 trump supporters
1: well no i i would say it's to the extent it's not a good thing there's always one of these uh in, in any type of investigation uh if you look hard enough you'll find something that looks weird you'll find something that's that looks funny you'll find something that uh aha is there one trump supporter somewhere in wisconsin who voted twice uh, it's, sure. it's quite possible and probable. And, and I think there, there is, uh, is, is there, you know, where there's some ballots that were miscounted? Uh, I think you as, as someone who works with statistics and voting statistics all, all the time would say, yeah, there's always a possibility of, of human error. There's a possibility of machine error. Um, not only a possibility, uh, but when you're dealing with numbers at large, yeah, it's yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean I think I think the other side will will grab whatever comes up in there and 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 you know play that going forward um, to to paint the picture of aha this is a stolen election because that's the narrative they want they want to paint right um, uh, so I, you know I think the does does it solidify Trump yeah yes yes and no um, well the, the I think you're right though as far as look there's the the five million dollars that's been raised I mean. Um, a lot of nice progressives could have could have had something you know, nice nicer under their Christmas exactly. tree. Exactly, this what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know it's, it's close to it's she's now nearly at seven million dollars, and I think what what far better uses that money could have been put to than this, and it's really kind of uh, as 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 Trump might say, so well, sad, Hillary,
1: you know. Clinton, I think Hillary Clinton made a statement to that effect of. Of, Look, if you really want change, you know, don't spend the money on these recounts. Take this money and uh, spend it in the congressional and senatorial exactly. elections next time, or yeah. you know, supporting other progressive causes. Yeah.
0: Now, now the other part of this, so, uh, Donald Trump's tweets on this. What, what do you make of his his claim that you know there were millions of these fraud, uh, you know, these fraudulent votes? And this is a claim, of course, that just came directly out of Donald Trump's you know fevered imagination, I guess. Um, so I mean, is this you know, is this something that concerns you?
1: You know, I don't know. I mean, does, does you mean does it concern me that I actually believe there were millions of fraudulent votes cast? Uh, no. Um, no,
0: I mean, does it concern you that uh, that the president-elect of the United States saying, has no he's problem saying, just yeah he's making saying
1: incredibly goofy stuff? Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, that that's always been a concern, uh, and and I I don't understand. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, I go back and forth on the the, uh, the Trump tweeting uh, because, on the one hand, there is this this incredibly goofy sort of stuff, and and I think sometimes he does it just to get a rise out of the other side. I mean, and a good example would be the the flag burning comments uh, he made last week,
0: where which he say, yeah.
1: which there are thought to be consequences if people burn American flags; they should be stripped of their citizenship, put in jail uh this is this is an issue that is is very much settled constitutional law that that you have a a, a right to burn the flag um uh, and and uh that opinion was even joined in and authored by our our uh, uh may rest in peace uh Justice Scalia so uh, you know the, the and, and and Trump has to know that uh, again this was this was a high profile issue 20 some years ago um uh, it, there was you know talk of a potential constitutional amendment so so I mean it this isn't something which is this is a uh, strange piece of, of uh, uh, you know the law that, that no one's ever heard right. of. no everybody right. knows this um, but what Trump did manage to do by making these comments was getting a bunch of his opponents to show up and start burning flags <laughs> which you know yeah. is, is sort of kind of brilliant Uh so I don't know. Maybe he's doing the same thing with with the millions of um. Of, well, yeah. I see what you are saying.
0: But but you know what about? I mean, he he, he this carries over past Twitter. Like for instance, he you know he uh, had a conversation with the uh, the president of Taiwan, which you know freaked out the Ch- freaked out the Chinese. And you know he's having he had the conversation with the president of Pakistan, where he called him a swell fella and all this kind of stuff. I Meaning not exact words, but kind of along those lines. It seems like he doesn't appreciate. That when you are the president-elect and even more when you're the president, the things you say have, you know, reverberate a lot more than when you're just some guy. Right. And you yeah. can't yeah, – I mean it's, it's one thing to tweak irresponsible stuff, but it's another thing when you're talking to other heads of states or eventually when he starts talking about financial markets and so forth. This is going to have potentially very serious real-world consequences uh, for, you know, for millions of people.
1: Yeah, and and the, the idea and this is you know, again it, it as a Republican it troubles me to you know the the non the non presidentialness of, of the whole thing and, and of, of uh his, his Twitter responses. Um, there I mean there is something and you've you've probably heard this is in, you know, political science circles that you know once someone becomes president, uh, they sort of Assume the mantle; they they grow into the job, or the the job sort of grows into them. One hopes. Um, and and you know, everyone can say, "Listen, the actions of a candidate are different than actions of a president." Now, again, we're in sort of a weird period right now, where Trump is a little bit—he's more than a candidate, but he's not quite the president. Um, so it it remains to be seen whether that is actually going to to happen once once he he is inaugurated. Um, I can only hope that they take his cell phone away um, <laughs> or, or whatever he uses to, to tweet on, uh, so that we don't get some of these. Um, uh, again, it's it's. I, I also, I mean, I, I there's a certain brilliance in the way he disrupts the the media by doing this. Oh, sure, uh, yeah. but but um, yeah, long term as a governing strategy, uh, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm, I'm I, I again, I, I I I scratch my head every day. Is is he uh, uh, insane or or does he actually have just some a brilliant plan that I can't see? Right. I, throughout throughout this year, I my position has been on the insane. Um, but but look, it's worked so far. He he's won, and then then he'll do things which um, uh, appear to to
0: well. Yeah. To show
1: that he's not entirely true. Sure. He's not crazy. So. Well,
0: governing is a lot different from campaigning. Uh, in governing, you actually have to make deals and get stuff done and so forth. And we'll see what kind of a deal maker Donald Trump is and if he can handle dealing with other heads of state in a, in a reasonable and rational way. Uh, and that, that remains to be seen, certainly. But, you know, speaking of Donald Trump and deals, the media went absolutely nuts this week when he announced that uh, he had saved 0.008974% of U.S. manufacturing jobs. Though, of course, he didn't put it quite that way, right? Um, The deal will keep uh, around 1,100 jobs at a carrier plant in Indiana, a plant that had been scheduled to close entirely and shift production to Mexico. Now, the details of this weren't disclosed, though the general consensus seems to be that it involved some combination of tax incentives, $7 million is a number that's been tossed around, and maybe some indirect pressure on Carrier's parent company, United Technologies, which does a lot of business with the U.S. government as a defense contractor. And, you know, well, seemingly everyone commented that this isn't a big deal in absolute terms. I think proponents of it say that it shows that the president elect is kind of willing to roll up his sleeves and fight for the working man. Critics say that you know not only cannot not only can Trump not deal his way to significant manufacturing employment growth but that trying to do that in the first place maybe that's an example of government violating free market principles by kind of directly intervening to alter the decisions of businesses. Um Yeah. What well, what do you think, Jay? Yeah,
1: I'm in I'm in the 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 latter camp actually, and this is kind of funny. Have you Sarah, Sarah Palin notably has slammed Trump, yeah. and Bernie
0: Sanders. I'll talk about <laughs> whenever Sarah Palin and Bernie Sanders kind of agree on something, that always gives me pause. I'm not sure yeah. what to do with that.
1: Uh, you know, look. Uh, from my understanding, is we're talking about approximately seven million dollars, uh, uh, which is mostly Indiana money. Um, so I mean, Mike Pence may be more to thank than, than Donald Trump on this, uh, about 500 in, uh, tax relief, tax rebates. Again, I'm not clear exactly what for, and about 200,000 in uh, job retraining. Um, again, 700 million or 700, 7 million, uh, in terms of a, a state budget, uh, is, is, you know, a rounding error. Um, so you know, is it a ton of money? No. Does it? I mean, in in for most people, yes. Does it save some jobs? Yes. Um, for now. But on the other hand, yeah. For now, and, and I think, I mean, Trump does this and he gets the press and and he shows the commitment uh, that this is what he's going to do. And and to some extent, I think it's, you know, it's it's so it seems more appropriate when governors do this uh, than than presidents, and that's maybe something that's a little bit different too, but. There is there is the risk, there is the you know, what they call the moral hazard, uh, that you know, companies will, will show up with their handout and say, Okay, I want this or I'm moving to Mexico.
0: Which they, I mean, which they do already. I mean, and that's been going on for for decades now. Where, where there's there's this kind of race to the bottom, and we see this when when plants talk about relocating not only to other countries but actually to other regions of the country where states well, no, fall exactly. over yeah. themselves. I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. So
1: Ohio lost uh, plenty of manufacturing jobs, not to Mexico, but to to you know Tennessee and, and places like that. Um, and
0: oftentimes, it's places that have right to work laws that don't have as strong union rules or, or union unionization, and so they can actually manufacture stuff for less there. And you know, and that's like I said, it's been kind of a race to the bottom, and, and that's I think you know that's a, a an ongoing problem and a, and a very and, serious and, and, concern.
1: Well, I wouldn't say a problem. As a free market conservative, I would say, hooray! <laughs> um, you know, if if someone can make their product uh, better, cheaper. Uh, somewhere well, else. Well, wait, wait, wait. Uh, that, as a, as a
0: free market conservative, you'd say hooray to states giving all these tax incentives to to, to companies. I mean, sh- isn't that interfering? Well, in the no. Market I, I and- would
1: say I would say hooray to um, uh, if someone wants to move to a right to work state because okay. the, uh, labor labor prices are lower. And I guess that would be that would be more the the conservative answer is um, to if you want to keep jobs, manufacturing jobs, or what any kind of jobs, the the better policy isn't to do this. Uh, you know, maybe the word crony capitalism is, is a little harsh, but it's not a so. picking one by one of one of one. But it, it's it, it's say, hey, let's we're going to create an environment where free competition uh, can work and that you're, you know, one, you're not disadvantaged as opposed to, say, uh, operating in a foreign country to the extent that that can be done within our regulatory scheme. Um, and, and you know, two, that that. Uh, we're not going to, to intervene in, in subsidizing you either. Um, I mean, right. I think that would be the, the you know, you, you just sort of have the, create a good soil and, and you let bloom what blooms. Right. I mean,
0: because the concern is that in the, in the short term, you might get some benefit out of it, but in the longer term, you're actually hurting the economy because you're, you're propping up these, these industries that can't make it on their own. And so, you know, in the end, that really kind of is a drag on productivity and economic growth.
1: No, I mean, there's there's also the other, there's the pragmatic thing of sometimes you have industries, companies that are too big to fail, uh, and and I guess an example, you know, looking back, I mean, one of the the big uh, uh, disappointments of my childhood uh, was when when uh, Reagan bailed out Chrysler. Um, so, um, yeah, the automakers you know, have and, been bailed I, out multiple times pro- now. Sure. Yeah you 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 probably you probably felt the same way back then um but uh you know look government intervention sometimes is going to happen because the political pressure is going to be so great um but, but and that's it, it, it yeah. one. Shouldn't, it shouldn't be the norm. It well, yeah, and that, that, that's one of that's, the
0: tensions. I mean, is that uh, the the incentives for the people in office are, are short term electoral incentives, whereas when you're looking at the future of the economy, you need to be looking, you know, more than at the next election. You need to be looking sometimes decades into the future, to the extent that you can. And so you can do a lot of things short term that are advantageous. at long term are are not any good. But you can just say, well, that's someone else's problem.
1: Yeah. So, so, where, but where do you come down on on carrier, for example? I mean, is well, this I mean, a, a I, I, good yeah. investment to keep American jobs here, or is it is it crony capitalism, or is it just sort of a uh, look? We're we're doing a little bit of help here and there.
0: I think it's sort of a symbolic type of thing. I don't think it that, that you know it matters a whole lot. Obviously, it matters to those people whose jobs uh, are are saved, but uh, I don't think he's going to you know, use this as sort of a, a template or anything like that. You just simply can't. It doesn't scale up as a lot of folks have pointed out. Right. So I think I, I, I you know I saw it as a symbolic gesture that hey I'm I'm working hard right away even though I'm not president and I, you know so I just see it as a little bit of symbolism and you know well
1: fine. You know the another thing to to consider um of this, I mean the the folks at Carrier have said the seven million uh, was not necessarily the tipping point, uh, because I think they could have saved somewhere in the neighborhood of two hundred fifty some million uh, in labor costs uh, moving moving to Mexico over over the term of of say you know ten years or something like that. Um, so there, there's other factors in in play, and it may be things like um, military contracts uh, that they would realize they might be uh, less preferred for those in the future. And it it may be sort of uh, on the same token, the the corporations trying to show a little bit of sensitivity, uh, uh, economic patriotism, um, you know, now that that, uh, in the wake of the election results.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. I think that. Well, I don't know. I I don't know how. Patriotic, they really are. I think you know that it's kind of more about bottom line type stuff. But, uh, but in any case, you know it's, it's it's certainly a good thing for those 1,100 or so people who get to keep their jobs. And uh, I, but but again, I don't really think it's something we're going to see a lot of in a Trump presidency. Before I move on to our next story, we'd like to thank our new supporters this week. Uh, First, there's Scott, an extremely generous supporter that I mentioned last week, though I uh, didn't get back to him quickly enough to find out where he's from, St. Joseph, Michigan, or to include his message, which is keep up the good work. I love the objective commentary and review of the facts. Although I'm a conservative and I'm content with the results of the election, I'm an American first. Michael, I pray that your comments about Trump are true, that he hates to lose and will do everything in his power to put together a great team and move the country forward. Only time will tell. I also pray that all the foreign policy experts who signed the letter saying they wouldn't support Trump will reconsider and act in the best interest of the nation. Finally, to all of my fellow Americans, look for low and away, but watch out for in your ear. So thank you, Scott. Um, uh, it's, it's, I think that's fine advice. Uh, our next new supporter is also Scott. This Scott is from Los Angeles, and he writes, All right. Thanks for the regular sanity check during this chaotic time. We do our best, Scott. Thank you. And we also have a new monthly sustaining supporter through Patreon, uh, that's uh, Travelin from Hayward, California, in the Bay Area, I believe. Um, And he writes, your show is thoughtful and nuanced, and it provides substance that is lacking in the current news media. Keep up the good work.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah.
0: So if you're interested in supporting the show financially, you can do what all our new supporters did this week. Go to politicsguys.com and click on either the PayPal or Patreon donation links we've got up there. We would really appreciate it. And as always, it's a big help if you can spread the word about the show by sharing and retweeting our new show posts on Facebook and Twitter and leaving reviews and ratings of the show on iTunes. All right. Moving on. Donald Trump continues to fill out his administration. This week's picks include Elaine Chao, a former Secretary of Labor, and the wife of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell for Transportation Secretary, Secretary uh, Representative Tom Price of Georgia for Secretary of Health and Human Services, and billionaire investor Wilbur Ross for Secretary of Commerce. Now, the three most important cabinet positions are Defense, Treasury, Treasury, and State, and this week, President-elect Trump announced his pick for two of them as well, former Marine General James Mattis as Secretary of Defense and Wall Street financier Stephen Mnuchin for Treasury. And still to come is his Secretary of State pick, where Mitt Romney reportedly remains in the running, despite some pretty strong objections from many in the Trump camp, including campaign manager Kellyanne Conway. So what do you think about Donald Trump's picks this week, Jay?
1: Well, uh, I think we we should uh, always refer to uh, a Secretary of Defense Pick as uh, Mad Dog Mattis. <laughs> the, the media really wants to do that, yeah, just I because think. well, and I, I mean, how how much fun is it to have your Secretary of Defense, um, <laughs> you know, with a nickname like that? Um, and also, it'll be fun the next four years getting to pronounce the the name Mnuchin um, yeah. or well, whoever. Yeah. Before Before we but, go on with that, let me just, uh, no, let me I, just well, say
0: that the whole Mad Dog thing—it's so so strikes us I get the sense from and maybe I 'm just reading too much into this, but the media likes that because it can kind of advance their narrative It's as Trump sure. as a dangerous, unhinged kind of person who's bringing dangerous, unhinged sort of people into his administration and that that kind of bothers me i mean aside from that you're right, mad dog's kind of a fun thing to say, but you know that that bothers me that it plays right into that, and they're just eagerly lapping it up, but anyway, go go ahead, sorry, I just wanted to get it off my no, chest.
1: Uh- you know, so the the um, let's let's start with the the the, the um, economic picks with the uh, treasury and um, uh, commerce. Commerce, uh, you know, there's there's been criticism about picking people who are tied to Wall Street, who are billionaires, and so forth. Uh, to me, that's that's nonsense. Those are the people you pick uh, to to run those departments. Uh, you need someone who has a working knowledge, uh, experience um and and a a a sense of of how these institutions operate because uh they are like it or not you can be angry with wall street for whatever but but it it essentially powers uh, our our economy um and again i'm i'm struck by it i'm just going to deviate a little bit here but all the the liberals who who love hamilton uh but hate wall street um <clears throat> and you know sure. again yeah. alexander hamilton invented wall street uh, he in- essentially invented our our American uh, financial system um, and and it's worked and it's worked well and if uh, you want to say there's criticism of, of those at the top uh, receive um, more more benefit uh, uh, than, than those in the middle or at the bottom I suppose that's a fair criticism uh, but but still that, that the system works and it's these kind of people uh, who who are intimate with it who who you want uh, and need in those positions.
0: Well, well, I'll say yes and no. I'll agree and, and, and partially disagree with you, as I so
1: often do, Jay. Um, sure. I, I think you're right that the system had – well, I think you're most right. And again, this, is, this isn't a commentary on these specific individuals. Sure. More just This is the background yeah. of – no I, th- and yeah. directed at them.
0: no, I think you're right. I mean, I know you're right that to run the system, you need people who have knowledge of the system. And those are these these people, the sort of people that Donald Trump has picked. Although a lot of his picks are people who don't have any experience actually in in government. And so that kind of concerns me. Uh, He has sort of a tendency in his picks to pick a lot of folks who are complete outsiders. And I have some very serious concerns about how these people are going to be able to just run these huge organizations in their first real job in government. But that's another uh, – that's kind of an aside, I guess. The other thing in terms of, yes, you need people who have that experience in these industries, where I think I – where I know I take issue with you is that, yes, while the system has worked in the past – the finance industry has become a very different beast starting from, well, you can kind of go back into, you can start to see it starting in the 1980s or so, where it became a lot less about sort of being the lubricant to make the system work and more about kind of taking, about kind of taking a, a, a disproportionate cut out of the system and being a lot less concerned with helping kind of the business of America and more just kind of being this sort of giant sort of octopus sucking out as much as they could. And, and you know, I think the system worked in the past because there were some reasonable regulations and safeguards on the system and a lot of those went away under both Democratic and Republican administrations and my concern is that under a Trump administration there are already a lot of noises that a lot of Dodd-Frank's going to be uh, pulled back or you know or, or revised or you know and, and I think that that's a very real concern for me and I think we're setting ourselves up for uh, you know another major failure. I hope I'm wrong about that.
1: I you know I I'd, I'd respond by pointing out that Take a look at what the uh, markets have done since the Trump election. Um, Take a look at how your uh, your portfolio has performed since the Trump election. Um, And also, I mean, take a look at let's let's talk about. I mean, between the you know since the nineteen eighties nineteen nineties, we have seen uh, a huge increase in wealth across the board. Well, we haven't. Um, You're wrong. I mean, you're
0: just wrong about that. Yes, we've seen a huge – well, yeah, okay. You're right that we've seen increases in wealth. But what we've seen is huge inequality. And I think the mistake that so many conservatives make is they think that the markets are the economy and it's just not the truth. And they think that overall growth numbers are are, are a a signifier of health when so much of that growth, more so than at almost any other time, is so concentrated. That's the real problem is that the rising tide is not  – not lifting all boats in fact it's lifting fewer and fewer boats and and we need to address that and we haven't addressed that and that's my real concern i don't see that being addressed in the trump administration
1: last week um i bought a new computer for uh the price of of again a couple hundred bucks uh and this new computer can do I, you know I'm not even sure the 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 amount different than than what say uh, a a Apple two e computer in nineteen eighty six could have done um, at at probably a, a fraction of the price um it's it's this kind of wealth that I'm talking about that we have such a higher quality of life and that spreads across the board uh, and that's made possible because you have people who are willing to invest money and you have a system that can allocate that investment, uh, to the, the right, uh, products, places, services. Um, and, and I, so I, I think to that extent, I mean, that's, that's what I'm talking about. We said we have such an increase in, in wealth. And if you want to complain that, well, uh, real wages are, are, are depressed and, and Wall Street financiers, uh, have made billions. Um, again, all right, that's, that's a fair argument, but, um, I think you can't have it both ways. If you have a dynamic system, you're going to have more winners at the top. Um, well,
0: I, I mean, I see what you're saying, and to a, to an extent, I agree. And, and certainly, there are some areas where we can get a lot more for a lot less. But there, you know, I, I disagree with the fact that that a dynamic system means there has to be tons of inequality. I mean, we've seen that in the United States from really the the 1950s through the 1980s, where we had a very dynamic system. In fact, you could argue a more dynamic system than we have today. We had greater intergenerational mobility. We had we had all of these things, and we. He had a lot less inequality and so i i mean i think that's a you know i think that's a very real concern and i again i don't see it being addressed and someone's going to have to address it at some point or else there are going to be some very real problems
1: okay well we'll we'll wait and see but but anyway back to the the, the picks for yeah we got the, a little off topic well, but that's okay sorry about that no for, not at all yeah but, but uh for treasury and commerce i i like them um because i think those are people who who can uh, know the system um there's gonna they're an interesting um uh, issue is going to come up with uh, uh, General Mattis uh, in the, his confirmation in that uh, the, the practice of, of the U.S. has always been to have civilians lead the Department of Defense. Um, and and in fact, had he had can't to, legally lead the Department of Defense. He's going to need a waiver from Congress
0: and uh, because he correct. hasn't been retired for long enough and the only other person to ever get a waiver is, was uh, George Marshall who was a right, pretty good... in 1947. Good, yeah, so it's been a while, and the the sense of Congress at that time in the, in the legislation they passed was that this is a one-time thing and we won't be doing it again, but George Marshall is a very special kind of guy, which he certainly was. You know, the guy had a plan name after him after all. But... Uh, but you know certainly, and James Mattis is no George Marshall. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. And I think well, this is not, a, not yet, not yet, but. no. But the odds of anyone being another George Marshall, I think, are you know fairly, uh, fairly slim. And I don't think this is a very good precedent to set. And I think a lot of people are right to be concerned that that Donald Trump seems to be. Drawn to a lot of these military folks for these civilian positions uh, now you know part of me sees that he 's interested in a lot of marines, and I kind of can understand that, but you know uh, but still, I think that is a a worrying thing, and I think maybe some people certainly are saying, well, Trump is drawn in by the kind of straight shooting no b s you know stuff that the military folks are like but you know, in, especially in diplomatic type of positions, you sort of need people who understand, I think, the diplomatic procedures and processes and niceties and so forth. And sure, any general is going to be partly a diplomat, but there is this – there's a reason. There's a, a tradition of civilian control for a good reason, and I'm concerned that Trump is weakening that.
1: Yeah, well, in the tradition of civilian control, this is – you know something that is very much a small R Republican idea, mm-hmm. um, and we should probably say, because we we throw these terms out a lot, kind of political science-y terms. And when I say small R, I mean uh, not to refer to the Republican Party, but but rather the general uh, Republican ideal of of a citizen uh, uh, citizen government, yeah. um, which is different different than a small D uh, Democrat, which is uh, which is a, a broad based um, there's, there's a, a whiff of elitism in, um, uh, Republicanism, uh, but it's, it's sort of the Republicanism of, uh, of, of, you know, say Cicero and Cato that, that sure. you know, that these folks looked back on. Um, uh, but, um, uh, that's just an aside, but no, I, I get that. And, and I think those, those traditions are good to uphold. Um, also to some extent, they were a little bit based on, on, on a different world, when there were concerns of of generals who could rise to popular uh heights and and sort of have a threatened takeover. Uh you know, again, we point out that well, maybe it was on Facebook the uh you know, the founders looked very dimly on the example of, say, Oliver Cromwell, uh and a lot of their decisions were informed by that. And I think, you know, later by the the types of like, a Napoleon um and it seems anachronistic that that someone like that could uh, rise to power, sort of through military fame, uh, and and threaten the constitutional order. Um, that's not to say that it, it can't happen, but you know those well, those we go concerns back, yeah. are, are little are a little different in those in the days that they originated than they are now.
0: Although, you know, if we look back just as recently as uh you know the the 19th the 1950s there was the whole thing between uh, president truman and douglas macarthur which for a while seemed to be you know sort of a uh, uh, uh well uh, a concern when, when truman would give orders and, sure, and sure. macarthur said you know give, stick it in your whatever you know and and that yeah. was you know that certainly didn't raise to any kind of level of deep concern but you could you could sort of see that sort of thing with a very popular kind of egomaniacal general you know uh, like macarthur was certainly and but but yeah i think you're right and maybe some people do see that there's more of a concern uh than it actually is and i should also point out and i might have mentioned this before that some people again, think
1: again, my, my my position as a republican a conservative small law republican small c conservative is that that if there is a tradition of something, uh it typically ought to be observed. Yes. Uh unless unless there's evidence to the contrary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, and go I ahead. I share that. I share that belief. Yeah. But you know, some people would say, well, generals tend to be these big warmongers and so forth. And I think I have mentioned this in the past that I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I think that oftentimes that the people who have the the more direct experience of war might actually be a little less likely to say, Hey, well let's just go ahead and throw some troops in harm's way. So in that sense, it might be
1: very different from what a lot of people think.
0: So uh, any other thoughts on uh, Trump's transition picks to this point, Joe?
1: No, other than uh, it's as we have said, there seems to be sort of a a team of rivals type dynamic taking shape uh, where he's he's picking some that that are the true outsider Trumpians and he's picking others who look to be uh, your more typical uh, insider uh, types. and. That – maybe maybe that's the, the tonic that, that we need. I mean not the complete outsider, no experience, but have that balanced by, by some of this insider. But you're, you're still – still have that injection of, of new blood, new ideas and just a new way of, of looking at things. Yeah, you, you know, I, I agree. So I, I would say, I would say most, most, most Republicans, most conservatives I think have been uh, – are, 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 I can speak for myself are, – are heartened by, by what they, they see. Um, sort of their, their worst fears have, have not been realized.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, you know, I I wrote about this for the newsletter this week, uh, at least a little bit. And I I think that's sort of the positive case to make. The negative case is, well, it's just sort of a chaotic process with no rhyme or reason like so much else that Donald Trump does. I certainly hope that your view of it is uh, the correct one and that that kind of negative case is not actually what we're going to what we're going to see. So but we we will find out in uh, very shortly, actually. So, all right, well, let's move on. Moving on. On Monday, a Somali-born student at Ohio State University drove his car into pedestrians and then slashed people with a butcher knife. The student, uh, an 18-year-old named uh, Abdul Razik Ali Artan, was shot and killed by campus police after ignoring reported command, re- repeated commands sorry, to drop the knife. The Islamic State claimed responsibility for the attack, calling Artana a soldier of the group. Now, thankfully, none of the 13 victims was fatally injured in the attack. Now, Jay, you wrote a piece on this for this week's Politics Guys newsletter, so let's let's start with you. What's your reaction to this latest terrorist attack?
1: This is, uh, you know, and again, I'm speaking a little personally because I I went to law school at Ohio State, um, and uh, it it does hit close to home. Um, it 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 hits close to home in that, um. You know, let me back up. I mean, maybe the the piece that that troubles me a little bit more than 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 this happening and happening here is, uh, the reaction of well, let's still look at what the motives may have been and so forth. Um, and I think this is something that plays into Trump's hands. And and look, I was I've been a critic of the Trump statements on bringing refugees and, and extreme vetting and sort of made fun of them on those, those points before. Um, but you look at, at what happened at Ohio state and you look at what happened in Orlando and you look what happened, uh, in San Bernardino, uh, and, and these other places where you have what appear to be essentially self radicalized, um, lone wolf, uh, uh, terrorists. And, and they are, they're being radicalized online, um, and, and carrying out these, these missions, you know, not necessarily in, in coordination with ISIS, but, but certainly with, with uh, their approval. And it's, it's chilling, and I think at some point you have to say we've, we've got to do something about this. Um, yeah, and the problem is the things that, that we could do about it are, are difficult. One is limiting you know, immigration, refugees, uh, doing a better job screening, uh, as you've pointed out, and others have pointed out, look, the screening process is fairly rigorous. Can it be more so? Yeah, I think it can be. Um, uh, but we have a humanitarian impulse here to bring in people who, who need help. That's what our country was was built on. Uh, and to to rule out a lot of good people because of the small percentage of those who right. would cause us harm, you know, seems to be contrary to that that policy. Um, you know, to me, the, the biggest thing and I, I mentioned this in the, the piece on the newsletter is what we can work for is integration of these folks into American society. Uh, if you look at the experience that Europe has had with a lot of their uh, Middle Eastern refugees, there there has been not not been the type of integration that, that you would hope for into the broader community. Yeah. Uh, these 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 groups have settled in their own groups, go to their own mosques, talk to their own folks. And again, that – I mean um, I know we have some European listeners and maybe they can give us their their experience, their thoughts on this because we're viewing it from a distance. Um, But America tends to be different. We don't have as much of that type of of insularity.
0: Well, we didn't. um, It's still there right and that yes. that's kind of a concern and it's a concern that a lot of conservatives have have raised is that it used to be more kind of a melting pot model and when yeah. we've kind of move into sort of a culture that maybe changes to uh focused less on integration and more on what what uh, people on the left would tend to call celebrating diversity uh is that right. what it, can a society sort of survive in that way and you know we're we're kind of putting that to the test and I would also argue that another kind of part of this issue is uh, being a free society, having free communication. You know, if you take a look, the Islamic State has this really slick online magazine – Last month's special issue was all about I'm knife attacks. I'm not a subscriber. Yeah, but you know, I'm not, yeah. but seriously, it was this huge issue on knife attacks and how to use cars to to get to to bowl into people and have maximum casualties. And it told people that hey, knife attacks are great because knives are easily accessible. You can conceal them easily, uh, and you know, you know, it's, this is a pretty clear connection. How do you stop something right. like that? That's always been the problem. If you have a free, diverse society. We face certain constraints that other societies don't face, and I expect that you know this is a this is a a, from a strategic standpoint. This makes I'll call it brilliant from the Islamic State's point because they realize that this is the kind of thing that they can do very easily. They can take advantage of. Our freedom essentially use it against us in the same way I would argue that the Russians have done this by planning all this fake news that may or may not have had certain influences on the election. I mean, this is the sort of thing we're struggling with, especially with the internet and you know uh, social media and so forth. How do you stop this and retain the kind of freedoms that we all cherish that's that's really tough and I, I don't I think it's an open question as to whether we can do that
1: long term. Well, you know, I, I think you you may be right in some cases, and and um, you know, from a constitutional aspect, we can talk about that some other show. I mean, can we? You know, I think the U.S. could constitutionally block um, uh, transmissions from from foreign governments from foreign places, uh, and whether they you would want to or not is is a, another another yeah. uh, argument, um, but but no, I, I think we need to look at what can we do to make sure that we don't have this, this insularity. And in a lot of cases, look, my, I, I don't know uh, for sure, but my sense is in many cases, mental illness plays a role. Um, and this is someone who has, was maybe struggling with, with other issues and he found ISIS and self radicalized and found a purpose and found message there. Um, so there's, there's that piece of it too. Uh but I, I you know look there's there's a, there was a nagging voice uh, when you know and I think liberals had had to have seen this felt this too where um, you know okay here is an immigrant and he's committed an act of terror um, there is that nagging voice in your back of, back of the head so well maybe Trump's right on this maybe we need to take a very hard look about who comes into our country and who doesn't um, and and yeah, I, and, 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 you know, would say it's it's not racist or bigoted to, to to start looking at that at that fact. And I think liberals would say what we really need to take a hard look at is why these people are
0: being radicalized and if what we're doing is actually counterproductive. And I mean, that's kind of the argument that you tend to hear on the left. And I think there's something to that that as well. Is that
1: if you but, but look, let's also take a take. I mean, and this is something that. You know you know Columbus Ohio pretty much as, as well as I do um, Columbus Ohio is is not uh, some sort of backwater of the deep south uh, where there are you know these prejudices this is Ohio State University one of the largest college campuses in the country um, there are plenty of, of there's plenty of support uh, for all sorts of diversity for students from all all walks of life Um uh, there is, it's a, it's a supportive kind of environment. Uh, and, and that's what troubles me a little bit. Uh, this student was even uh, interviewed by the uh, campus newspaper on his first day of school. Uh, and he talked about all sorts of, you know, wanting to get along with everyone and, and, uh, uh, you know, finding a place to pray and, and there being, you know, prayer rooms and so forth, uh, for Muslims at Ohio state. Um, you know, and, and and the, the reaction of the crowd of when these people were first hit, uh, everyone thought it was an accident. They ran over to check to see if the driver was okay. Uh, at which point he got out, swinging a knife. Um, and to to me, that's that's what's what's troubling is is uh, to some extent, if you have these people who, you know, we do try to reach out to, uh, or there's there's places for them to go. They, you know, I, I can't imagine. I mean, a, a no, safer I, space. Sure, you know, than, than I, our, I'm
0: not. I'm not saying that. You know what I'm trying to get. Yeah, at. I'm I, not I, articulating it well. Sure, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that more along the lines of uh, the the things that we're doing in terms of our foreign policy, the things that our that our president elect is saying, and the argument is that that just further kind of radicalizes people. It gives them even more reason to uh, uh, oppose the united states sure. and and well, I know- mostly
1: based on based on this guy's facebook post i mean he was upset about uh, treatment of muslims and uh, i believe it was in myanmar um you know and, and again that's sort of you know <laughs> i mean you're it, it, it sort of boggles the mind of i'm upset about uh how you know muslims are being treated in, in myanmar and uh there may be some tenuous con- connection to u.s support so i'm going to plow into a bunch of kids at ohio state um you know right sure i i, I see what you say it's not necessarily i'm not sure, I'm not sure there's a, i'm not sure there's a foreign policy fix there all
0: right well uh, that's about all we have time for this week thanks everyone for listening if you have any thoughts comments criticisms or questions for ask the politics guys we would love to hear from you our email is mail at dot Our Facebook page, where we post throughout the week, is facebook.com slash politicsguys. We're also on Twitter, at politicsguys. And we'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe to the show and leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast service you use. And, of course, sharing and retweeting our new show posts and tweets also helps out a lot. And if you'd like to support the show financially, you can do that through the PayPal or Patreon links on our website. The Politics Guys will be back next Sunday. We hope you'll join us.